We always enjoy our conversations with David Rubenstein, the co-founder and chief executive chairman of the Carlisle Group. They manage over $200 billion. But you also know him as the New York Times best-selling author. We've talked to him about his trilogy, what's now a trilogy anyway, How to Lead in the American Story. And then the latest, The American Experiment, Dialogues on a Dream. And he joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. My pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me back. Thank you. I've, I always, I'm sincere. I always look forward to this, but particularly now, because I think of, in your book, you say, you talk about us going through a two and a half month long stress test to democracy, you know, going from the election to, to the inauguration. Right. And a lot of what's going on right now echoes of that. I mean, voter reform that we're fighting within Texas and the right to life. What are you hearing from the people that you that you are talking about right now? How do they react to this? Well, many people who are not in the middle of politics uh, look at it as a way to restrict people from voting. And so people who believe in voting rights are not happy with it. Obviously, it depends on your political perspectives. Uh, but what is going on now is something that is uh, no doubt would be a shock to people who supported the initial Voting Rights Act in 1965 or in, and when it's been renewed in Congress. People believe that more people that vote, the better off we are. Right now, we seem to be having a view that fewer people vote, the better off we are. You know, you talk to such a, a diverse group of people. I mean, just in this book, you know, you go from Madeleine Albright to Billie Jean King and Paul Simon and Ken Burns and, and Meacham. And I guess everybody has to weigh in on this. The latest thing is we have this new sweeping vaccine mandate that they say infringes on on personal rights. But that's one of the things you give up in a democracy, isn't it? Well... That's a very complicated issue. I would think that with vaccines, we have to recognize this. That's not about protecting your own health. It's about protecting other people's health. And so if you sat in your house and didn't go out anywhere and talk to nobody and couldn't spread the, the disease if you had it, uh, that's one thing. Since people go out, they talk to other people, the disease spreads. And what we've now seen is that when people are not vaccinated, they have a heavier, more likely chance of getting this disease. And something like 98% of people now in hospitals are people who are not vaccinated but but as a businessman you look at this mandate that uh, if you have more than 100 employees you must you know your your employees must must be vaccinated or maybe the fines will be as much as fourteen thousand dollars per incident how do you react if if you're running a business well i have been running a business and clearly um it's it's a challenge to get everybody vaccinated some people have um medical reasons they don't want to be vaccinated for or their doctors tell them they shouldn't be vaccinated or maybe there's some religious reasons but generally 99 percent of the people uh probably can be vaccinated safely but some people have for political or cultural or other reasons are very reluctant to be vaccinated i would say for example in the african-american community there have been a lot of experiments over the years on african-americans and a lot of african-americans are nervous about whether this is an experiment on them in some respect. And so they have a lower percentage of people who are willing to be vaccinated than you do have in the white community. There are historic reasons for that as well. Um, there are certain religious groups or orthodox groups that are just not interested in being vaccinated for, they would say, religious reasons. You know, the other, there's so many uh, challenges to our country right now. 
not the least of which is China. That's come back. It was certainly an issue during the last administration. looks like it's coming back as an issue in this administration. Yes. I mean, you operate all over the world, 33 offices around the world. Um, how, do you, how do you react yes. to China? Do you want to invest in China? Well, China is a different subject uh, generally than the one I dealt with in my book. But here's what I would say. Uh, China is basically going to be the biggest economy in the world in our lifetime. When I work in the White House under President Carter, uh, um, Deng Xiaoping came to visit. And at that time, we were encouraging China to join the back to the world. And now they've joined back, and they are now becoming an economic power and a military power and a technology power. And, you know, having this much competition is, is difficult for us. Um, but I think we have to recognize we're going to have to deal with China in different ways. So President Biden has... A, approach China in a different way than President Trump did, but clearly we're not in a very good relationship right now with China, and I don't think it's going to change in the near future. But, you know, it seems like there's certain aspects of the American experiment that are being tried out around the world that are that are following us. And um, sort of the commercialization of a communist country has been fascinating to watch. They are following our lead to some, aren't they? Well, remember, capitalism is a form of of uh, economic uh, activity that we have perfected in this country. Nobody is even close to us. However, there's a different type of capitalism, communist-type capitalism or Chinese capitalism, which seems to be working for the Chinese. It doesn't give people the, as many rights as we have. It doesn't give as many freedoms as we have. But look what they've done. They've taken so many people out of poverty through a capitalist kind of format that many people there are saying, well, look, I'm better off than I was 25 years ago, and so their form of capitalism with much more government constraints on, on, the, on the business sector is working from their point of view. It isn't something that would work in this country. You know, on your television show and, and, and for your book, or books, I should say, you talk to historians and musicians and journalists and politicians and athletes. Do they all consider themselves capitalists? Have they all benefited from capitalism? Well, many people don't consider themselves capitalists. Capitalism has become a word of uh, a derogatory word to some extent. It kind of means rich people who are trying to make even more money by investing money or something like that. People don't like to use the word capitalist because it is seen as a term of uh, that's not that favorable. But uh, so I think many of the people that are making money who are athletes or, or are musical performers, they don't consider themselves capitalists because that's not what they think they are but the truth is everybody has to make some money doing something in this life and 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 you know those people that are very successful are people that have made a fair amount of money but what we found recently though is that more and more people are becoming extraordinarily wealthy in this country and it, it's the case where the income inequality is becoming much greater than it ever was and that's a real problem you know you you string together a, a fascinating set of conversations that uh that inspire us, but also give us tremendous insight. Tell me, this is the trilogy. This isn't it. Is there a fourth book in there? Well, I'm having a book coming out next year about investing. I've been in the investing world 30-some years. I've now interviewed the greatest investors in the world, and I will have a book that will come out next year about how to invest, uh, whatever level you might be, and what to do with your money. I, and I and I hope you interview the author also, because we could learn a lot from you. We have. <laughs> well, okay. Well, thank you. Thanks, David Rubenstein, the co-founder and co-executive chair of the Carlisle Group, and of course the author of the brand new bestseller, The American Experiment. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you very much. For more of our conversations, go to krld.com/ceo. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.